All right, here we are. We're back at Burlington on the spot. We have Bill Korblick here. Thank you for coming in. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Yeah, we've been trying to do this since November. That was the first time, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And then we had a little little COVID episode, episode between all of us. You know, we kind of yeah, went through it all. I'm pretty sure that so both of us ended up with it. Yeah, yeah. Been there, been there, done that. <laughs> yep, I got tested. Antibodies. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. But yeah, here we are, what, three months later, and we're making it happen. So you That's want to it. start out and just uh, introduce yeah. yourself and a little bit about your background? Yeah, we can do that. Okay. Yeah, Top End Alliance Meat is our team beef. That's that's kind of who we are. Um, my wife and I and my family, uh, my dad, mom, and it goes back several generations. We've been producing beef for people on, uh, you know, uh, going from, from conception clear to the dinner plate and and we've been doing that. For, well, I, I tell people I've been doing it for 45 years or so. And that's probably right because uh, my parents were doing it before that. And they did that with pork and, and with uh, beef as well. And then and we've been a cattle ranch, working cattle ranch. I'm, I'm a fourth generation. We've wow. got yeah, the fifth and sixth generation. And Justin... Uh, my oldest boy is back home, and he's he's working on the on the ranch now. And and then we've got Michaela and and uh, Whitney. They they come in and help box the beef. And Ethan, he's in there going. That's Whitney's husband. He helps us every now and then when he can. And and uh, but anyway, yeah. We and then Teresa's always right hand. My wife's always right there. And my dad, and mom. We actually live right beside each other, still on the same farming ranch so yeah that's that's yeah. true i know your dad and i've been out there yeah and there you go. <clears throat> i actually met him before we ever met oh very yeah, right yeah because yes, i was correct. helping him with some stuff yep. so yep. well that's very cool that's a whole family operation then yep. generations yep. um and i think it's interesting too because some people go to the store and as when you live in the city or whatever you go and you get you get meat and you just assume hey i'm getting this meat but like walk us through what that process looks like i mean you know from okay. from the start to the, how does it get there and you well, know uh when we've you know, when we first started, um, we, we started off with, um, you know, our, our goal was we never really were too high. I guess basically back probably, I don't remember when it was exactly, probably back in the late 70s or somewhere in that time frame, we started off with um, um, we were growing beef and going, and that's when the when the implants came into play and and raw grow or implants was the first thing that I think most most of the farmers and ranchers would would probably go back. That it was a it was a little um, uh, applicator that they a needle that they slid in underneath the skin between the skin and the ear, and they injected a little uh, little pellet in there that had a growth stimulant in it. Well, we we tried that for a year or two and, and yeah, it didn't enhance gain, but then we got to thinking more about that, what we were doing. And we thought, no, if we can create animals that can perform excellent on their own and, and the, the whole goal meaning behind what we did, and we went through the show cattle industry, still do it yet today. But our big thing was, the finished product when we got done we wanted to have something that was that tasted good was palatable was just just pleasing to the customer and that that was our whole goal was to make beef perfect if we could if there was such a thing so we kept it as natural as we could after that we experimented a little bit didn't really care for it so we moved on okay. so so to kind of explain where we went from there then we went in um 
we did a lot of like quarters, halves, and holes type deal, um, selling beef that way. Um, we we did a lot of uh, finished product, and then and then we sold it on the hoof to people at quarters, halves, and holes. And then we've kind of graduated from that now, and we um, we sell it piece by piece. And the only way you can legally do that is go to a USDA plant and have animals process there there you go that's yeah, kind of, that, okay that's, so that's you have to go to a plant yeah how many cattle do you guys raise well we're right now we're we have just just over a hundred um head of mama cows and then and we keep our replacements out of that and then we finish everything else out and and very i mean we have some of our animals that if they do get sick or whatever may happen because i mean i'm not to the point of being cruel we if we have a, you know, a, a sick calf, we're going to doctor it, of course, and try to save it. But to say that it's going to fit our program down the road, probably not, because anytime anything gets introduced with antibiotics or, um, or any kind of a, um, a health something that way, then we're, it doesn't hit our program because we we want 100% all natural. As natural as we can make it anyway type product going out. So if you're if it's sick and you have to put antibiotics, then that's <clears throat> that's not the end quality that you're looking for. Nope. 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 And then uh, and and really and like on our replacements, even on our heifers, bulls or whatever, same thing applies. Because if they cannot and, and that doesn't mean that we don't vaccinate. Now we do vaccinate. So so like if we're um, the difference there is is that we're trying to ward off like well, like the COVID nineteen. So are cattle are cattle getting that? Um, I mean, no, they have they have different COVID strains, but they can get different types. But 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 yet we're we're looking more at like like just regular uh, like a BRSV type pneumonia or, or a, um, you know there's there's PI threes there's there's different things, and then we also uh, like. Uh, reproductive uh, type diseases sure. too as well. So we're we're vaccinating so the animals stay healthy that way. And we're trying to be proactive instead of reactive. So so we're trying to get it in the start and keep them keep them healthy that way. Um, and and really and then antibiotics, um, like I say, if we ever have to result to anti- antibiotics, those cattle get get cut out. And they they'll end up eventually at the sale barn. Okay, I gotcha. Yeah. And so <clears throat> I'm going to ask a lot of questions because no, I just don't fine. know much about this yeah. industry. But so is it something where you're trying to raise them in kind of a, in a timely fashion so that you always have ones that are getting ready to be processed? Absolutely. Yeah. And like, they, and, you know, different yeah, ages. We, and, right. We, we time it out. And we can also time that by, they can be fairly close in age, but we can time it out by, by how we feed them uh, and when we start them on their finished feed. And a lot of people ask us, well, are they grass-fed? Well, we, we've we kind of, uh, the genetics that we have, we've kind of fit a box where, like on our, our, our mama cows and our replacement heifers and everything that way, we want them to be able to function and stay in great shape and reproduce every year and that kind of thing. So, so being grass-fed that way, yes, they are. That's, you know, if we have to bring them in, the only time we bring them in to be uh, fed at any time is is when we're breeding, and and the only reason we do that is we AI artificial inseminate, and when we do that, we uh, 
I bring them in to close quarters so so we can handle them easier. And then also with that, going with that, it also helps calm all our calves down and keep them, sure. you know, it, it's just a really neat, uh, it's a neat experience for the whole family there once again. It must be really complex too, because that means you got to be, you're keeping track of all the different yep. ones, right? Yep. <clears throat> and then who's going to breed, yep. who you're going to inseminate, right. and then have a plan for all of that yep. to then know that, hey, we're ready to take it to a facility. And one thing that was interesting that you told me back in, I think it was November, was there aren't any facilities that are taking, I mean, is that, or that are processing or isn't it well, out like no, no. a year or something? Yeah. Or, I mean, yeah. They're, I mean, they're, they're going every day uh, as they can. And like USDA plants, you have to have a USDA inspector on site. So, you know, and they, and, and that, that, that's the must have thing that that's a little bit different than, than uh, plants that are, are inspected maybe monthly or something like that. But the only cattle that go through those plants are ones that are already purchased by someone else that, or, or someone that, that owns that animal going in. It can be just your animal. So in other words, if oh. I sold you a half, well, I could sell you a half live, but then when it gets there, it's being, that half is being processed strictly for you. And then when we go to USDA plant, well, I can take that half and break it down piece by piece and sell it out to people and and the 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 interesting part of that is is that the complexity of that as far as all these smaller plants what happened i think was um, people started wondering where their their meat was coming from and then the covid19 even opened up more people's eyes in 2020 because the bigger processing plants what happened is once once the people started contracting the disease within the plant itself and they had to close down well <laughs> that when that happens well it ends up being a, um, a situation where where they have to uh, uh, go in and sterilize everything well it's awfully hard in a if you have freezers running and and the colder it gets the longer the the virus can stay alive in so oh. so if you're messing around in a freezer well it could stay alive in there a long time. Right, because so, heat is one of the things that it doesn't do well with. Right, yeah. So if you boil it out, I mean, you know, it's like anything. And that's where one of the beauties, in, in, and we're all over the board on this. I mean, there's so many things we want to discuss. But one of the beauties of that, even with meat, you take it up to 165 degrees, where you kill all the viruses, all the different things that could hurt you. That's why it's so important when you're grilling or whatever is to get that meat up to a certain temperature right. to to purify it. And and then also it it tastes pretty darn good when you get it up there. So yeah, so yeah those are all the great things. But anyway, uh, coming back to um, answering more of uh, the uh, questions on the COVID-19 and, and why the processing plants got kind of got backed up. Well, when the big ones started closing, that created a lot more demand on the smaller USDA plants that were – for guys like us or whatever that are that are taking in, you know, 10, 10 head a month or whatever to sure. process. So, so anyway, um, when that happened, then people started getting scared because then the beef wasn't hitting the grocery stores. And a lot of people, like when you get up along the front range and so forth or wherever in the bigger cities, a lot of people think the beef comes from the other side of the wall. Well, it doesn't. And, and they quickly learned that, when the freezers were empty and the 
and the shelves were all empty and there was no food to be found, people started panicking. And then they started, it was no different than the toilet paper thing. Then everybody <laughs> right. had to buy, you know, more at, le- more at least with food or meat, there's a little bit more of a, I guess I can understand that a little more than the toilet paper thing. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So right, right. I never would have guessed that was right, the one yeah, thing, right, yeah. that we were going to run out of. Right. It was exactly. toilet paper. Right. <laughs> well, and so how many facilities are here locally? I know there's a couple big ones, right? Greeley is the one I know about. And then you have these little smaller ones, it sounds like. Yeah. How many yeah. are in Colorado? Um, you know, and I. You might I, not know exactly. Well, but. I, I think off, you know, I would guess that, you know, from having just your own process um to usda uh size plants i i think there's there's at least 47 the last i knew maybe more i mean there's quite a few that's a good amount yeah yeah there there are quite a few um but yet at the same time the size and rank of how some of them are some of them only do two to three beef um a week that's not much and then the one in Greeley, how much does it Oh, that gosh, one's, that one's really big. Yeah, it's like four or 500 employees, I think. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're doing thousands, you know, going through a day. So, so yeah, it's, yeah, the complexity of, uh, and the diversity of what's, what's out there right now is, is, is large. I mean, from small to big. And then, so you're up in the front range a lot, right? Is that where you sell the majority of, or is it yeah. everywhere? Yeah, it's everywhere. We sell a lot here and then we sell a lot, um, well, we saw a lot along the front range. Uh, we also have our, our uh, gift box type size that we mail out. We have a marketing company that we've worked with on that. And we've, I think currently we've went out to about 33 different states on that. Wow. Something like that. So, um, and we're, yeah, we're always, always looking at different ways to make things work. So, sure. And then, yeah. so since you were up in the front range, I think when COVID hit, it kind of, the lockdown kind of happened and, and there was months where you, we weren't going to the front range a lot, you know? I mean, so you saw it, yeah. was it really a short, I mean, was it shortage? Oh, were yeah. there, I mean, there yes. wasn't beef on the shelves no, at all. No, no, there, it was, yeah, the grocery stores were completely blank. Uh, you, if you walked into an Albertsons, well, if, and, and that's the other thing too, it, it's, I mean, it's a little bit more lax maybe today than it was a month ago versus three months ago and that kind of thing. But you go up along the front range and people are pretty, I mean, they're pretty uh, adamant that you wear a mask no matter where you go, if you're going right. to, to pub- public, you know, type facilities. So, and yeah. When you said that people weren't sure, you know, where the meat was coming, um, where do you think they think it's coming from? Then? I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of misconception out there as far as people not understanding that, that, you know, that, that agriculture, um, it's not, it, it's not in the grocery store. I mean, we need those grocery stores, no sure. doubt. we got to have them, but they, we really need to educate people out there on where food is coming from and, and why, yeah. and, and, and how hard we work in the United States alone on, to, you know, making the most wholesome, um, safest product out there that we can uh, you go to a lot of countries, um, you know, and I and I'm not going to pick out a lot, you know, single out different countries, but but you go to third world type, and they don't have any regulations to speak of, and yet somehow or another, and this is what one of the things I I'm a little bit nervous about in our own country that 
everybody is worried about where their food's coming from anymore, but yet it seems like um, when it comes down to the almighty dollar, it has more power than what our health does. And, and by that, what I mean is, is when you get into um, like uh, the processing side and some of these big plants, they, they pull in beef from other countries and, and it might be, might be hanging when it comes in. By that, I mean it might be a half hanging or a quartered out so the trucks are packed tight or however that comes in. And then, and then it's stamped on the uh, label itself that it was processed in the United States. Well, that's pretty tricky wording there because it doesn't say that it was raised in the United States, does it? It's processed in the United States. And that's where a lot of, now there's a couple organizations out there, RCAF USA and NCBA, they kind of, I mean, on the beef side, those two kind of butt heads a little bit on what should be on the label and what shouldn't be and that kind of thing. Well, there's a lot of impact on that. And part of the reason is on our, whether it is our own food safety here, I think we really need to pay attention to a lot of that. Um, when we bring beef in from other yeah. countries, for sure. Um, but And it should be labeled as such. If it comes from Argentina or if it comes from Brazil, it should be labeled. and uh, Or Mexico or Canada or whatever. It doesn't matter. And if it's United States, it ought to be labeled that. What do, what do the stickers say now? Is it like USDA? Yeah, it'll be a USDA-type uh, stamp on it, and then it'll have um, – and then you'll have um, um, – like a processed. It says processed though, processed. so it doesn't say where it's from, like no. where it's grown. Not unless they want want you to know that. So, so like there are specialty products out there, like maybe Wagyu, okay, or something like that. That that maybe that did come from Japan or China or wherever it came in from there to here. There's they a benefit, want, so they want yeah, you to know. They want you to know when there's a but, benefit, right? And and but our our thing here is, I think, safety wise. And the regulations that we go through here, I right. really think it's very, very important that we label things correctly. But, but on a standpoint, I mean, it's actually done us a lot world of good by them not labeling things quite so clearly. Because then, when I assure people when they see our logo that it is one hundred percent beef, team beef, it's, it's from it's here, from here, from conception to finish, we know exactly what went into that animal. It's 100% natural. Right. But so then if you're, if you're somebody that's doing this in a business aspect and you're, you're growing them and you're, you're processing them and getting them to market, you have to follow all these rules, right? For the, I mean, well, for yes. the USDA, right? If you're going to take it down to get it processed. Right. But I mean, did they, I mean, the other stuff that you have to do, the other countries don't then? I mean. Well, there's, there's, well, I think the man, one of the big things that everybody can kind of relate to that happened Oh, I think the last outburst of it was probably, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years ago, and that was mad cow disease. Oh, um, yeah. When that when that came out, that was that, and and that that was kind of um, a product, and and we'll get into a little bit of that too. But th this was a product that bone meal caused it by feeding. Basically, what you were doing was in order to boost their calcium up in their diet, people were taking bone meal, which basically is ground up bones from their species, right, and feeding it back to them 
And that's what ended up getting into the nervous system and causing the mad cow syndrome. So, so anyway, and it was, it was deadly to people as well. So you wanted to try to avoid that, right? right. Well, yeah. Yeah. So I think when you go across the, the world, the word got out, Europe, they follow our protocol. We follow their protocol pretty close. Europe and, and the United States are pretty tough on their regulations. And once you go out into other countries, I think, you know, and I think Canada, you know, excuse me, they're, they're, they're trying to do their best to follow rules. Mexico is probably a little bit more lax. They're trying, but, you know, you know the, the loopholes of what can happen because money talks, right, and you know where the rest goes. Right. So, it, so you've got to kind of be um, careful on that, but yet at the same time in the United States, I'd truly, truly believe that, that, that people are trying to follow the best protocol they can, and most people. And then, and then you go into um, the regulations when it comes to uh, feedlots and, and, uh, and that kind of thing on what they can do as far as then when you get into, like, growth enhancements like Im implants or steroids and those kind of things and, and the withdrawal use on antibiotics and, and all of that. Well, at a feedlot, they cannot afford to expend lots and lots of animals just to dump them out just because they had one thing or another, their deal is it ends up being bottom dollar. I mean, they, they have to, they have to generate money. So, so they're a little bit, maybe a little bit more lax. Um, not all of them. Right. Some of them are going to be tight. Just shit. like anything. Yep, I get it. It is. And then others are going to be a little bit looser on the rules and, 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 uh, and go as hard as they can, as long as they're still under the regulation and they're, flying under the radar and doing everything, um, they might be maxing out, you know, close and pushing the limits, but they're, they're trying to uh, make, make their operation work. And, and there, but there is a call for all levels. You know, some people are like, well, these steroids aren't, or not steroids, but um, like uh, growth enhancements aren't going to hurt me like people, some people might think so. And they may say, well, that's just a fad or whatever. I'm like, well, it might have affected me because I didn't grow very tall. I don't know. Maybe I didn't have the right <laughs> growth enhancements. But anyway. You, you needed those, huh? Yeah, I needed those, and I didn't get them. But, but at the same time, uh, it, it, we try to run really clean, lean and clean that way, and, but yet we take all our cattle to prime. So, which what is, does that mean? Well, what, is, what that means is there's, there's different standards, and by that oh. standard is, is the bottom. That would be like, no bar marbling, no just lean, lean, lean um, carcass. And then you have um, select, which select is has some marbling. And, um, and then there's three divisions. There's, there's low, medium, and, and high. And then you go into choice, and then you have low choice, oh, okay. medium choice, and high choice. And then you go, and then beyond that, you go into low prime and prime and high prime. And what's very, marbling? Marbling is like all the flex that you, the the little fat tissue that you see in the meat itself. So when oh. you pull out a ribeye or you pull out a New York, you see all those little white flecks in there. Mm -hmm. Well, those little fleck marks in there, if they're and and you're graded on quality of of how those flex because you don't want white or like like globby fat 
particles all over right. it. You want it well balanced going through it. So if the, and that's why like Wagyu meat um, has got you know got lots of marbling in it a lot of times because it's that's genetics, and and that but it takes takes a long time for Wagyu to get to where you want it. I mean that's and and on our animals we we uh, you know I don't know if you want to know the genetics on them and that kind of thing, but it's we've uh, kind of played around with. With our genetics, we use a key Angus base, and and I'll, we've uh, we've bred key and innocence in the 1970s, and uh, and we've uh, kind of mixed it with. Well, we tried years ago. We tried it with Simmental. That was that was that was a giant giant beast, if you will. That was when cattle were huge. I mean, today they're they're big, but. Um, Big in their own right. It's it's designed a little different, and genetically, we've just learned to control our cavities to whatever, and um, and we use the kianina primarily to knock the fat off the outside. So in other words, they're not globby fat on the outside, but hold the marbling on the inside, oh. and then we use the Angus to keep that marbling in there as well. And and between the two, that we and then we we use some really low percentage semis and low percentage main angio as well in our bloodlines but that's but we everything is is definitely 100% hand selected for finished product yeah so. no that's so interesting too because <clears throat> growing up in littleton you yes. know I'm not out here and I would see that at the store you'd see like choice select all those things right yes. and I just had no idea that that's Yes. I know that's, and so that makes me wonder, I mean, who now maybe there's more awareness or more people are trying to know what they're eating, but I, I still so. don't think in, in stores that people, a lot of people understand that no. the differences in meat. Right. And I mean, is that kind of what concerns you about the food supply right now? Because I know that you told me you were a little concerned. Oh I mean, yeah. It, it, our, my biggest concern I think is, um, you know, when it comes to, um, steroid use and that kind of thing and in these because there's getting to be a lot of carcasses out there weighing you know i <laughs> i think a year ago they were saying that a lot of the carcasses going out on the rail now are weighing 900 pounds and if you if you take if that's only 60 percent of the animal i don't know doing the math off the top of my head what that makes that animal weighing um what 15 40 or something i mean yeah they're big and, uh, and that's huge. Yeah, that's huge. And and to be able to get animals that big consistently, I mean, that was the average. So you can only imagine there were some that were weighing over a thousand, surely, and that some weighing seven fifty to eight hundred. And 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 most of ours weigh probably in that seven fifty to eight hundred range. I because I the the other thing that you run into when you get carcasses so big and is and 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 we can go back to that steroid issue. Uh, I mean, I'm just running all. No, over that's the place, fine. We can go all over the place. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the steroid issue is one one of them that I'm kind of. I mean, I, I head scratch on and uh, uh, paling and and I think and I and I'm I'm going to probably get maybe touch where I shouldn't a little bit because I'm not a hundred percent certain on on everything about it, but the one thing that they stamp on the label is that if you use ractopaline on, you cannot use it on breeding animals. Well, if you can't use it on breeding animals, then what it tells me 
is that you probably shouldn't be using it on feedlot animals either because <laughs> I mean if you think about it it's it's kind of a um, what it does is it, it it's it retains water um, mm. in the muscle tissue and it's no different than like a guy that's wanting to beef himself up look good so you pump some iron take some ractopaline or is whatever. it a steroid it's it growth that, and I mean, well they they don't they say it's not a steroid but uh, they're gonna have to convince me I guess because anytime that you can take an animal within three weeks time and add 10 to 15 percent of their body weight in three weeks so in other words if they're weighing 1200 pounds you can put 120 pounds on them in three weeks that's pretty uh, fast. That's pretty fast. Yeah. But and you're worried about side effects for the consumer? Is that or we just don't know? Well, I don't know about that. I'm not going to get into that part of okay. it because I don't know. But but the one thing that I do know is that the reason that the packing industry okayed this, and I'm not a fan of it, but the, but they okayed it was um, when you actually harvested the animal and and then you had your carcass left, well, there, there's a certain amount of bleed out in that time, but, but with the way this works, that the, the platelets and everything, it trapped all that moisture and held it within the carcass so that the packing plant didn't lose anything. Oh. So if you've so ever... It comes down ever, to money, basically. Well, sure it does. Yeah, and if you've ever seen drumsticks on chickens um, and you take all-natural drumsticks, which are nice size but then you take these ones that are coming in there that are just huge i'd, I'd like to use a drumstick or or you can use a hamburger or whatever hamburgers a little you can't really use it because they can add fat to it and everything else so let's use a drumstick off a of chicken and if it's fed this same product and you throw that chicken in the frying pan it started out this big round by the time you get done it's this big round okay and you wonder what happened well all that water weight. Water weight, yeah. It, it no evaporated. Kidding, huh? Yeah, you lost it. So so anyway, th those are the kind of things. And then they wonder why all-natural cattle or all-natural chickens or all-natural anything is a little bit more expensive. But is it really? When you get right down to it, is it really? I don't know that it really is. And then how much healthier is it for you? Yeah, I'll let you be the judge on that one. But... I, I'm thinking that most of that is very, very healthy. Um, if you keep away from it and you try to do the best vitamins and minerals, because while well, my wife is a health coach, and many of you guys uh, in in the area and around the world now, there's all these weight loss programs and these different things, and there's a right way to do it and there's a wrong way to do all it. Right. And when you're doing the right way, what's first thing they try to do? is they want you to stay healthy by doing what? And that's staying on a good vitamin mineral program. And then you can have all these other things that go along with it. Well, the big thing about it is, is that that's exactly the way we try to treat our cattle is keep them healthy. Yeah. Keep them as healthy as possible. And, and our breed backs are better. We don't, I mean, it just, it just pays to be healthy. And, and, and if you try to cheat the system, I guess in life, any time I've ever tried to cut a corner, it always cost me. 
And I don't know if yeah. people can relate to that, but I hope that's a thing that if there's anything you learn out of our discussion tonight is exactly that, is if you um, cut a corner, it's going to cost you. So the way we look at it is if we do everything as balanced and as right as we can to keep that animal as healthy as we can, we ensure that the product that we sell you is going to be wholesome and very healthy for you. And that, that's our whole game plan is to keep it as healthy. And we've done that for, I don't know, 40 years now. Or and something. you feel like there's other producers like you guys all around the country oh, yeah. that are trying to do oh, that. Oh, yeah. So are you confident right now if I walk into a store in Denver that I'm and I go just pick out some, some beef? Okay. And is it going to be good? No. I'm okay. not confident that it's going to be just great. How and, come? Well, number one is probably more than likely they've already – put some kind of formaldehyde or something in there, some kind of preservative to keep that beef mm. on the shelf. Ours is all flash frozen, which a lot of, you'll, you'll see that a lot of places that, oh man, I, you know, our beef has never been frozen. It's, you know, well, how long has it been sitting on the shelf? And one of the things that we do that we like is we vacuum pack all of our beef. Um, and by doing that, we suck all the air out of that. So if you thaw that beef out and and you want to go somewhere and all of a sudden you're like, oh, i got to throw it in the refrigerator. I need to take off to town or do whatever. Um, you know, And then you don't get back to it for two or three days. It's still good as long as you didn't break the seal. Oh, it, okay. It's still good. And no worries. But, but if you um, take a, um, a product that is is wrapped in cellophane and is sitting there on the shelf. And if you try to do that with all-natural beef, it'll be bad in about four days. But they can hold it in the grocery store for how long? I don't know. How long can they? It beats me. For a while. I mean, yeah, they do it for several weeks. Until it gets a little orange tag on it, right? It's there, like, that's it. See, you know how that works. And then it goes, yeah. it goes in the sale bin. And, and then, then you know that that's where you're trying to get rid of it, yeah. it's like a last ditch. Yeah. And a lot of people will go, man, I can afford that now. It's it's at a buck, you know, a buck a pound or whatever. Well, that's great, but take the risk that you could get sick from that. I mean, you know, you're you're playing with fire there because and and that and that doesn't and I don't care if it's potato chips or if it's a can of green beans or what it is, if it's been opened and it's out in the air and it it can. Even though it has solophane over the top of it and it's wrapped tight, but there's still air in there. If the air's sucked out of it, that makes the difference. But but even so, be careful when it comes to that. And then, well, I we, we won't get into what all happens <laughs> behind the scenes on, okay. on a lot of the grocery store stuff, but I know there's some – cause I mean, that's profit they're having to throw away. So they're going to figure oh, out. Oh, yeah, you know, I think I can do the math there. Yeah, you kind of do the math on that. Well, and that's other stuff in the grocery stores. I mean, even produce, when we were talking to Tim Potler about that, maybe it was after the podcast, but like if you were really getting bananas that were organic by the time they got there, they'd probably be brown Oh yeah, and and toast, right? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) so what are the chemicals in there keeping those things green and yellow for weeks on end? Yep. Yep. And they pick them green. How can people 
Well, um, I I think you know if you buy labeled or branded beef, um, I think that makes a difference. Um, even in the grocery store, if it's branded in there, or labeled or whatever, because their reputation's on the line, they're wanting to hold it. But if it's if it just has Safeway written on it, and here it goes, or whatever, and I don't mean to single them out, but, <laughs> but yet at the same time, it, it is what it is. I mean, you know, and, and, and they can assure you that it's fresh from such and such date, which, which is great, and if it is, and, and you'll have people that'll be like, well, I've hit pretty good. You know, I buy on Wednesdays or whatever, and I, I hit usually pretty good all the time. And that's good. I mean, I'm not, I'm not here to knock anything. I'm just here to educate that I know that they're using a lot of different products out there to extend the life. Well, anytime you're doing that, I call that cutting a corner because it's, it can't be as wholesome as it was when it first was butchered, right? So the longer it's, it's stalled out, then, you know, it's, you're, you're taking more risk every day. And I, and I don't care what, what that product is. Everybody's seen radishes that are rotten on the shelf, mm-hmm. too. You know, I mean, yeah. I, you know, that happens to all any anything that's out there. So. And that was a really good question by Mary-Kate, because if you're a consumer up in Denver, I mean, what are your options? I mean, yeah. you know what I mean? Is, is it a bigger industry problem, then, that we need to correct? Or is it something somebody can actually take action on? Like, if well, I'm up in Littleton and I'm going to go to Whole Foods or yeah. Sprouts or Safeway or whatever – are there going to be some decent options or should I start looking and I'm not trying to knock anyone or should I start looking for somebody that's a smaller straight from, you know, the farm? Yeah. Well, and I think they're, if they do that, you know, obviously they're probably going to pay more or, or just, just maybe not. I don't, I don't know. I mean, if you go to whole foods, cause they're like whole foods buys a lot of branded products as well. Um, you know, and there's different grocery stores that we help. Um, as well but but the big thing about it is is that if you buy from a branded name you're going to have chances of you having a more wholesome product is there because the other side of it is say you don't they're going to they're going to end up making it right i mean Oops. you know if if some cuz it's like anything in the world you know i mean knock on this is nice wood, but knock on wood that, that um, uh, you know, I, I haven't had any come back on me. Right. I mean, since I was probably in high school and I was learning, but that's, that's part of it. I had one, I've had one dark cutter in my whole entire life. What does that mean? What that means is <laughs> it was a key Angus steer that um, back when key and all these different continental breeds, when they were coming to the United States and the, late 60s and the early 70s well um what what happened was we had a kianina it was a kianina angus steer and everybody knows that one with its head up in the back and its ears up and looks like a deer right yeah I, well had one and we tried to go ahead and feed that that uh calf out well we got him got him fed out but man to get him loaded on the trailer was another trick and uh, I mean, he, you know, after about three or four fences, we finally got him, got him there and got, but, but he ended up, he, and, and what happens on a dark cutter and, and anybody that's doing like wild game or anything, they understand what dark cutting is. Um, that's where an animal's been overheated or oh. they get too wound up in the process. That, 
that we we can go into that on the on the processing line as well. Um, that affects the end meat. Absolutely. Is yeah. it like trauma, basically? Yeah, or? you're just basically you're you're putting that meat through a sweat, and it's yeah, it's just it's, like it's hot. Yeah, it's an adrenaline rush. Yeah, oh, it's, it's adrenaline that yeah. goes okay, and it, and it just basically tightens that meat up to the point where it it would be so tough you couldn't even eat it, and then the blood won't drain. That nothing will work right when you go to harvest animals. So it's yeah, that that's that's why like when you go to a USDA plant, the uh, that that's probably the biggest thing that that they watch is that 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 animal's treated humanely coming in into the into the what they call the knockbox that that animal is is treated with care coming in there because that is so important to know that that animal was taken care of right to the end and and that's the way we treat them and I and I know there's a lot of people that think well oh man how can you do that to beef but if they thought about how we treat our beef every day and and throughout life and what we do with them and the care that we take with them every day out there, they, they have an awesome life. They really do. And then, and then when they come through, they're doing what anything else we, we all want out of life is they're serving a purpose. Right. They're serving a purpose. And they then, are. I mean, food has to come from somewhere. Somewhere. Yep. So. Yep. And, and the other side of it is for those that are going hmm, right now is that I can tell you that, that, uh, typically, on average, over 86% of the the food that that animal consumed, people are not going to consume. So if you think about it, that 86% of that was just a throwaway item. That they're they, consuming that, that had can, no, okay, I yeah, didn't know that. Yeah, so that's on average. And some of them are even higher than that. So if you think about you know what they do to our ecosystem and what they do to our our whole and you and the protein that you get out of beef or you get out of all the sources i don't care if it's green beans but but the beauty of it is that beef gives you so many different vitamins and minerals that even the i don't remember what it's called the watch my call it burger but oh, yeah. <laughs> now that one yeah, no. yeah and then but anyway, the the uh, uh, the the idea of the, what we're trying to accomplish is giving you the the best protein source that 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 money can buy, and and we're doing it. I, I have no doubts that we're doing it here in the U.S. Yeah, absolutely, the best in the world. Then yeah, yeah, and and then if we if if people are following closely to what our protocol is on our on our finished product of trying to make them as wholesome as they can. You can't beat that. Whether it's the pork industry trying to do the same thing, or or the chicken industry trying to do the same thing, um, and you see the ads on TV starting to change now about these are caged eggs or, or these are free eggs or whatever they try to say non caged eggs, and then they have like the um, oh the the range chickens and that kind of thing. Well, what they're doing is they're trying to educate people that we can do this even on a larger scale. That it and but versus industrial farming is that what you're yes, talking about? Yeah, and instead of like like and and that's where and I mean we can go into that a little bit as far as and and I I hate to even bring it up but one of the things that they were trying to do is 
is one of the senators in 2019, the um, senator from New Jersey was trying to try to put an end to, to the beef and pork and chicken as far as anything over, like on the beef end of it anyway, and that's what I paid attention to it the most, was trying to keep away from... Uh, is this it where yeah. Boker introduced a bill to boost safety and protect meat packing? Yeah. Or is that it? Is well, this they, a COVID? Or that, that looks no, different. Like, yeah, that's a little bit different. That's on the COVID-19. He's really into, um, you know, trying to, trying to, uh, you know, close things down. And he, he, he nailed the, um, oh, I think it was um, Tyson it, and shut them down. And he, that was one of the first plants that shut down. And and that was, you know, that really hurt the chicken industry in a hurry because then nobody play, had any place to go with all their chickens. And chickens are ready. I mean, they got to keep a revolving door going because they're ready within six to eight weeks. They've got, I mean, that's how longer it takes for them. So to if they shut out. a facility, one of the biggest, where's that at? Where's that was in Kansas City. Kansas City. So you yeah. shut that down. They shut it down. Yeah. I mean, <clears> Then you're going to have those oh, chickens just dying. And I yeah. remember those stories, right, where yeah. farmers are, are big big in um what's the word organizations were throwing away yeah chickens and food yep. and stuff so then they tried to turn around and then they're wanting to put stiffer regulations on it that looks like it's probably it yeah yeah and it and and yeah basically large factory farms but imagine out here imagine out here if all the corn that we grow and all the and that's why it's so important now i've always thought about it and that's probably one reason i've stayed rather small as far as um, farming size and everything else is that I'm kind of one of those guys that are like, if I raise corn, where's my corn going? What I'm going to do with it. And if I just grow it because the price looks good, what am I doing? I might be hurting the next guy. I, d I don't know if I overgrow it. So, so my theory behind it is, is that I always want to know where my end product's going and what I'm doing in the United States. So that, um, so having regulations, even on these big guys, I, cause their, their objective is like, like, uh, the big feedlots around their objective is, is to, to feed the vast majority of the people in, in, in the area, you know, and, 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 and then they have certain pins in there. I know that are going to, um, like going to, um, Lone Star Steakhouse, or they're going to whatever, but they're right. specialized. I mean, it's not just um, mass food production. It's also the food that we enjoy every day when we want to take our our family out for a special dinner, or we want to, or or we want to just go to the grocery store. and 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 I think we need to figure out how to do a better job on our grocery stores and that kind of thing, and and keep that meat more current. I. I definitely think that's um, so find a way to try and educate. Well, we're doing that right here, like educating what the process is, but then yeah. it's going to have to be legislation or well, I don't to know, say, Hey, right? you can't keep that food, but I mean, it's going to, that's well, an uphill battle. I, yeah. I know oh what yeah. You're yeah. Saying. Cause it, it's all on the, and the, the, the handler, I mean, on what, how they perceive whatever that product going through it's, it's a integrity thing. I mean, it's all about trust on, when they stamped it, is that is that legit or isn't it? I mean, I don't know. And then how are we and keeping then, it fresh and it's sitting here for, for weeks? Yeah. Well, when she pulled that, when Mary-Kate pulled that up too, it, it made it seem like it was helping the small farmer. 
So let's well, talk a little bit because I just read that snippet, right? And it's like yeah. we're coming there, down on large factory farming. It's going to help yeah. the small farmer. And I mean, pros so, and cons, isn't it? I mean, that's what we run into because then what they're thinking is is that in time, because what they're looking at is the processed meat and the um, the man-made, more man-made type thinking is where a lot of this is going, that they think that they can control um, better what what people are eating by making man-made food. I, I don't agree. I, I think that's because we don't even know what that man-made stuff is even going to do to us. 10, what do you 15, mean by 20. man-made? Are you talking about like like the the man-made meat? Yes. Or oh, yeah. okay, those kind of things. I I don't know. We we don't know what that's going to do to us. It's so new that we we don't know what it's going to do. 10, 15, 20 years to us. I mean, are we going to start new cancer strains? Are we going to start new what? But well, I don't even know what it's made out of. Yeah. Do you? I mean, because well, it's yeah. not real meat. So is is it? But, but what gets me is they want it to taste like beef. Yeah, it's, that's, let me scratch my head on that one. I, that just doesn't make any sense. If they want it to taste like beef, why don't we just raise good wholesome beef? Forget it. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's let's really understand. And it's and then there's one other gal I want to touch, and I and that's this Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, OAC. I'm not much of a fan. <laughs> AOC, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, she, yeah, and and this. What did is she a, try and pass? Well, she, she was, she was like, she's on this green, green thing. That, the green, um, yeah, the twenty fifty, the, yeah, the green New Deal, right? New Deal, yeah. By twenty fifty, being hundred percent carbon free. Well, sorry to say, when she eats beans, she's going to ruin the carbon. I'm sorry, and and she's going to have to get her protein from somewhere, and. Uh, and I, I can sit here and argue with people that eat beans all day long that I can eat beef all day long. I'm not going to have near the gas problem that that person eating beans is. So if we start feeding everybody beans around the world, I guess we're going to have to exterminate a lot of the people too because they're going to be so – Contributing to the, to the gas. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. It, it's, kind of a, it's kind of an oxymoron thing to even go on here – that she's even got a leg to stand on. But the one thing that I want to wear people about on this is that we can't ignore people like these people that are in our government system. And and the reason we can't ignore them is because if they get a grip or they get a hold on this and they try to change not just my life but everybody through the Midwest and try to change what's going on, that's going to be a bad deal. Because um, I w- we'll go into starvation. They can't they they can't possibly produce enough food out there. And I think people are going to get tired of eating corn and beans. But maybe I'm wrong. But I just don't think that we're going to be. And they like to strip oils. If you were asking about the Watchamacallit burger, I can't remember what it's called exactly. But but. Um, um, I think it's the Impossible Burger might be it, but 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 that dude is made by about oh four to six different vegetable oils, um, cranked into some sort of a 
I don't know, some kind of a solid solution to make it. Right. And so, you know, the thing about that, that makes me think about like, okay, it's one thing, let's pretend you're going vegan. Okay. But but all you're going to do is eat plants and vegetables. Okay. Right. And I don't knock that. I mean, no, no. And I get that, you know, so, but then if you're going to do the impossible burger or whatever, and it, that's, you're way off course. I mean, that's like, you know, I feel like it's going to end up being like cigarettes or tobacco were in the seventies and eighties, you know, Could with be. like the food supply, you don't know what's in that. Yeah. All that vegetable oil, all the things you're saying. So you can, yeah. ha- you'd be better off just, I guess, not eating meat. You I know, Corn oil. Yeah, your body can't digest that. Yep. That's, big, that's like the biggest problem. Like they, they want to, they want to complain about the biggest complaint about meat that I hear is it's so hard to digest. It's so hard to your digestive system. But this vegetable oil is a hundred times worse. Yeah. Well, and the other thing too, what you do digest out of, and this is what's so interesting, what you do digest out of, say, the Impossible Burger with all those different oils in it, are the fats. Well, it's supposed to be in there. That's what they've cranked in because they're they're putting a lot of beans and different things to give it that texture, right? And then they hmm. squeeze it through and give it a hamburger texture, and you fry it just like a hamburger or whatever, which, which I don't. I, and if people want to eat that and say they're allergic to meats or different whatever, it's a great substitute. But to think that you're going to substitute that over the real deal and you can eat the real deal, um, I would highly consider eating the real deal because it, it's, it's much better for you, much better. Well, <clears throat> no, I totally agree with that. <laughs> I haven't had one of those. so. Um, yep, I haven't either. The, the way things are going now with, with COVID and everything, does it seem like we're having a better supply? I mean, are you, have you seen it come back? Like we're not on, like we're, we don't have shortages? Because uh, I keep saying – are you worried about that? I keep seeing things as far that, as beef and everything. What's well, going just, on? And even food. Yeah. Man, well, I'm just, like, just food in general. Yeah. It's, it's sporadic. And what happens is the COVID thing is still out there. It's still affecting us some. And what happens is it, it it's affecting different suppliers at different times. So uh, it doesn't matter if it's, if it's shamrock or if it's, or, or what food company it could be. They may get affected in one chain of their event. It, it might be open somewhere else in the United States, but maybe right here they're shut down for two weeks. Well, then they have to hurry up and go somewhere else. So they go buy from a different – and they don't have enough. So then then we end up – and that's that's how the problems are happening, kind of. I mean, that's a quick scenario. But then also the other thing is is that – with all the the uh, uh, shutdowns, um, then you get layoffs. And now that we're going into, not to get too political, but then we go into a $15 minimum, you know, wage. minimum wage, those kind of things. Well, then what what is an employer got to do? He's got to sit there and go, okay, I got to make some adjustments here. So what's the first thing they usually do? that cut back on employees. Well, and I, I think from it's, being able to work with a lot of businesses that we do yeah, and seeing things out there, I think AI is coming faster than people realize. 
So what I mean, taking jobs, people yeah. are automating. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And so as soon as you get that, I mean, that's the next step. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we're not yep. talking a whole lot about that, but that's coming. Oh yeah. It's happening. I mean, well, you'll have at, lobbyists that'll try and go against it. Like, especially like with, um, trucking and those industries are going to fight a big battle. Yeah. They're going to hold it off for a while. But if you're McDonald's or you're a big chain, eventually you're just going to automate. Well, I even heard I mean, that's, I mean, it's kind of through the grapevine, but, and I'm not going to, I mean, I, I don't know one way or the other, but I know McDonald's is working very happily just watching people go around the merry-go-round on the outside. And I heard that they may not want to open their lobbies back up for people to sit in because it takes X amount of more employees and if they can get the traffic going in and out the door oh. and not having to stop and, and sit and eat, they, but, but maybe My I'm guess all is that they will, and it'll be kiosk, you know, everything yeah. that, you know, but then to, you're told that it's easier, just like pumping gas, right? Yep. I mean, hey, it's easy. You can go but, do it, but it takes me three times longer. I mean, yeah. I have to put my card in, remember a code, go through six steps, then get the thing to work, you know, yeah. as a guy that used to be able to do it and just pump it or the or grocery stores. You bag your own stuff now. I mean, we, yep. we flipped it over so that yep. you feel like, you know, they tried to, it's like a magical curtain, like trying to make it seem like it's better. Right. But you're, you're just bagging your own groceries. Right. Right. So yeah, really, that's what it is. Yeah. And, and I saw it, Teresa and I, we, we just got back from Oklahoma here last week and we were going through there and we actually saw, and it's the first time we'd seen one for quite a while. We saw a service station and we noticed the price was about, I think it was about 10 cents higher than what we'd been seeing. But then it was um, a full service station. And they meant it. We pump your gas. They do it all. And Teresa goes, you know, I would pay a quarter more if we could go back to that tomorrow. You know, Interesting, today yeah. Or whatever. And get, you know, and, 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 and get, get after it. So... So anyway, that was, yeah, I think we're starting to see where maybe service and, and by everybody being at home, being a family again and understanding, and I know it's been, it's played some hardships on some families. It's been great for others. It's been, uh, it's been an eye opener, but the one thing I think that's really been good and excellent about, about the COVID-19, the way they handled it. The best thing was probably bringing families back together closer. I hope. I hope that's happened. And uh, by that, I think it's also opened up some eyes on what people can do to help one another yeah. more. And that's really essentially what we got to get down to. And that's right. And that's we. And that's what we try to do, whether it's with our company or whatever. We just we love helping people. So. Yeah, and I bet for you, you're probably sold out, aren't you? I mean, it, I mean, I we, would imagine. That. Yeah, I, well, and 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 one of the things that and that'll lead into maybe another time is is going into the um, into the processing plant. We we were hoping to have a processing plant going here shortly after the first of the year. Well, with <laughs> back to COVID-19, um, all the different stresses that it's put on, even on closing 
closing land deals and this and that and it, it's extended a lot of the time frames on everything and and by that we're gonna we're gonna end up being probably late summer early early fall when we finally get that done but but that is one of the next steps on what we hope that we can do for the areas is help um help people help process here, here yeah. locally yeah. Yeah, and we're going to make it a USDA plant. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. So You know right where you're getting your meat. Yep. And yep. it's great meat, and you can go in yep. and you're creating jobs. Yep, we're creating lots of jobs. And the other thing that we're going to do is um, we're going to open up the custom side. So if other people have branded beef that they want to come through or whatever the case is or want processed, we're we're open for their business. Oh, that's too. awesome. So, I mean, you know, that's going to do extremely well. Well, I hope so. I mean, with the way people are right now, it's like you said, yeah. it's, it's creating awareness, COVID and just in general, people are trying to be healthier. I think yeah. sometimes, you yeah. Know I mean, but yeah. It's, and I think it's important. I think we really, you know, they figure that, um, it's not going to be unusual here in the next 10 to 15 years that, that there's going to be more and more people living to be over a hundred years old. And, and I guess the way I look at it is, and my mom always taught me this too, when, when I was growing up, she always told me, um, cause I was a meat eater from day one. She said, no, no, you got to eat your applesauce. You got to eat your, you know, your green beans and you got to eat your corn. And then you, then, you know, or whatever, and out the door you can go then, and then you can go, but you got to eat a well-balanced meal. Balance. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that stuck with me on that was I thought about that and and it doesn't matter just think um you could think of of a person that loves beer and that's all they drink and if that's all you do what are your what are the implications going to be and if you're going to live to be a hundred well what kind of I mean are you going to get gout are you going to what what's going to happen to you but and and then where I'm going to go with this remember beer and then I'm going to say, okay, now if you eat beef all the time and that's all you eat, what's going to happen to you? If you eat beans, and I want you to think about that one, if you eat beans and you go all the time, what's going to happen to you? Well, you probably shrivel up and dry up and blow away. But And then if you eat potatoes and that's all you eat, what's going to happen to you? And, you know, and if you, if you think about it, but then if you put them all together and you have a beer and you have a, or, or a, glass of water i don't care whatever there and and then you have um you know an eight ounce steak and you have making me hungry yeah (laughs) right right yeah and then you and you well balance that thing oh yeah you go out of there feeling pretty good yeah and and the nice thing about it is it's healthy for you yeah i think you have to have balance like with anything in life and it makes in a little bit of exercise and some sunlight right some family and stuff like that right so we took a little pause there. There you go. <laughs> little technical pause. Um, so what are things do you, are important that you think that people need to know about the food supply, genetics? I mean, we've talked in the past a little bit, but what, what other messages are you wanting to get out, you know, to folks? I guess the biggest thing is, is that the awareness of where your products are coming from. Really? I mean, like when you go into a store, yeah. like making sure you know what yeah. you're getting, what you're feeding. Yeah. What, yeah. What, what are you feeding your family and why? And, and if we truly are going to, I mean, 
it seems like every 10 years we're gaining a few years on extension of life. So, so, you know, if the average age, well, when I was in high school, I think the average age at that time was 67 or 68, kind of aging myself here, but, but now it's probably more in the mid seventies or close to 80. Now I I think it was like 78 or nine. Yeah. Somewhere in there. So we've, you know, in a few decades, we've, we've gained, um, we've gained another 10 years. So, so if we continue to do that, I guess the quality of life that we live, and it doesn't mean that you aren't going to get exhausted and you aren't going to want to retire when you're, you know, in your 60s, 70s or whatever, but how are you going to live the rest of your life out? Do you want it to be healthy? I think, you know, I think the big answer to that is eat as healthy as you can. And, and, um, and I think that, you know, that's probably the biggest thing I want to get out there. And, and as far as, you know, um, I'm not sure where you're driving at on the genetics question that you're asking me. Are you talking about the kind of cattle that we raise or, or are you talking about what, what do you, what do you want from me on that a little well, bit? Well, no, it was just when we, we, yeah, met on our, it on in last yeah, November. We I'm got into this fascinating conversation about yeah. genetics. That I don't remember exactly where it took, but it, maybe it was a little bit about the things that are kind of coming up. That ge- how genetics is altering the industry. Maybe even just not food. Like uh, I mean, like agricultural, like grains and oh, corn. Yeah, yeah I but see. I mean, yeah. we kind of talked yeah, talked did. a little bit about that because don't you have a little bit of a background, right, in genetics, or didn't you teach it? Oh, or I mean, well, or? yeah, I was I was an AI instructor for twelve years, and then we, um, yeah, and then the genetic side of things and the reproductive and that, yeah, that that's kind of my background. All right, when it comes to, um, um, and I specialized in cattle and that kind of thing on my education stuff. So, yeah, that and I'm glad I'm being able to live my dream. I mean, that's that's right. pretty fantastic. But yeah, the um, you know being able to. Um, and it doesn't matter if it's corn today, like the GMOs that they're doing, um, you know, and those, that's all another question, but somehow or another, we're, we're getting through it all. Um, you know, and I think they're starting to figure out different, you know, and that's what, that, that's exactly what I'm kind of referring to when, when they're starting to make anything new, that's whether it's genetically modified or, or, or any kind of um, when you go into the food supply, or you go into like like making a a burger that's just out of what you know. Um, I guess that the the question I have on all that is is do you know where it's coming from? And if you say, well, no, not really. I guess my question to you is educate yourself a little bit on knowing why you're eating what you're eating. Cause what you put in is what you are. So, so, so think about that. I mean, that's, that's very, very important, I think. Um, and, and, and the other side of the coin is, is if we didn't have like genetically altered corn to be resistant on, on different herbicides or something that they're using to, kill weeds and different things if we didn't have that and be able to raise the kind of bushels we do on corn or or whatever crop is out there i'll use corn as an example because it's probably one of the biggest under the umbrella that 
that happens because um, that's the one just for you buffs out there like trivia uh, corn is the only vegetable i think that is grown in all 50 states Huh. So there's something for trivia. Yeah, yeah. we can look there, that there. up. And yeah, see you, if that's yeah, you real. look look <laughs> see that if that's right. <laughs> I mean, besides a homegrown little garden or something, but but I think on on you know regular. Production. But I mean, you you're a proponent of using genetics and science to help further yeah. cattle and beef, and yes. I mean, so there have been good things that have definitely come out oh, of yeah. that. Right? Yeah, I, yeah. I went through embryo transplant school, and I went through. All that, and then when they got into cloning and stuff, that's that's, that's what we when, were talking about. Yeah, we were talking about be, cloning. There you go. No, and that's what it was. We got into that. I, that's I started, what it was. You triggered. Yeah, it. yeah. I, I started scratching my head when I started getting into that because I was like, "Why are we doing this?" I mean, no, because we it was fascinating. We started going yeah. down that path of talking. I mean, is that and, going on? I mean, oh yeah, cloning. Oh yeah, yeah, cloning's going on. It has been in the animal world for a long time now. But, but my question to all those people out there that are cloning is why yeah why not just grow right well the thing about it is i mean we've cloned this plastic bottle over and over and over and over and we know it works but we stopped the daydreamer from thinking about can we make something better Oh, I see what you're saying. If, yeah. if you're doing the same thing over. Yeah. So, I mean, really quick, how does that work with cloning? I mean, what, why, what's the benefit to cloning? Um, if you feel like you have a superior product. Okay. And you're ahead of the rest. Uh, those guys think that cloning's all right. Or if they have, like in the show industry, you, you end up with a bull that has just hit it out of the lights and then he dies. Well, you oh. want a clone that take his place how, how do you keeps, clone how i mean how does that work oh uh, they just it's it's just basically you as are finding the dna and and splitting the genes and Looking doing at the all the sequence and being able to re yeah just rehash it and re redo it so it's it's not i mean i i got out i i didn't want to i didn't want that's when i decided nope i like the idea of if we're perfecting um something and we're going to try to improve it, and that—that's the one thing with cloning. You, you, you can't do that. You can't use the word improve because you're done. That—that's it. That's it. That's all you can do. The only other thing you could do is maybe the only other way you could maybe use cloning and perfect it is you could turn around and use different, like if you had a female here or something that was cloned, you could use different sires to find the one that worked the best maybe in time. But yet at the same time, I think that the good, good old God's plan here is, is better because we hadn't, wouldn't have been able to advance technology as fast as we have if it hadn't have been for, for turning around and, and, uh, and, and really putting together, um, you know, the, uh, the advancements of, being able to break down the different genetic things, whether and and you can break anything down and study it long enough um, from from like on cattle from back fat to intermuscular fat to uh, reproductivity to to uh, uh, weaning weights to yearling weights to 
I mean, you, sky's the limit. You Jeez. can just keep going and going. Maternal cavities or cavities or or whatever. And so now today, what we've per, what we've per, perfected that we had. I mean, when we were back in the seventies and eighties, and we were bringing all these continental breeds in, and these are the extreme breeds from limousine, Simmental, Kianina, all the big breeds, Charlet, all these coming in and putting them on on like like the European breeds, the um, Angus cattle or Hereford cattle, the smaller. And we were, but the problem was we were killing a lot of them because they couldn't have their calves. They're, I mean, we had these small little docile breeds that, that and then we throw these massive animals on there. And then, so how did you control the cavities? So we, so then they started creating data, right? Mm-hmm. So then we started marking, okay, what's doing what? So then you start going through all that and then, Lo and behold, today, now we can take um, a, a bull that has a small or an easy calving score, small calves, turn around and end up being some of the highest indexing weaning weights and yearling weights, carcass data, and we can take that, and that's what be, that's what becomes more of a superior type bull, but then... If they're on the carcass side, maybe they're not too maternal. Maybe they can't keep the milking up on their daughters and so forth down the wow. road. So, so now you got the complexity of how do you? That's why there's so many bulls to choose from when you look through an AI book or whatever an oh, AI catalog to see who you want to. Yeah, you you're choosing for, and there again, typically what we choose is balance. It's the same thing as what we were talking about. Yeah, looking at balance going across. Okay, I need cavities. I still need some growth, you know, and but yet. It's amazing how much is involved with that. I mean, it's a complete science. Yeah, it is. And yeah, yeah. I mean, you can shoot from the hip and and you. Just put two together and hope for the best. Yeah, hope for the best. (laughs) A lot of those guys, they they don't last very long because things go south in a hurry. But gotcha. Yeah, we, and it, and then there again, uh, um, we also score them on the hoof too when we're looking at them. I mean, I I, I like eye appealing cattle. They got to look good, or I don't I don't want them on my place. I mean, there's that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean that's yeah. I think and and then to be able to put all that together to take an animal that can go in the show ring, turn around, cut out the best carcass, but yet turn around and the females be excellent mothers i mean that's to try to get all those facets to hit that's a trick and it's out i mean that that is hard to do and we're we're we're, we've put that over together i mean that's all i've done my whole entire life is studied that over yeah you must really you can tell that you have a passion for it oh i love just love what you do love it love it love it that's awesome all right one more question before we wrap up and this one is not that i'm conspiratorial or anything but i always get into fascinating things right and over the years i've seen where uh there's been cattle mutilations have you ever seen that do you know what i'm talking about yeah. with that do you have any idea or any thoughts on why? that why people do that yeah or or if they you see where there's like mutilations and they're like well it's ufos or it's something or you oh. just don't you know like weird things that happen sometimes are yeah. you familiar with that at all or maybe not, not we're gonna really. be cutting I, this piece out <laughs> I, yeah <laughs> all right well, not then really. never mind. No, so. nah, I have never seen anything too wild that way. No? I mean, not, I mean, I've heard different things, but but you know, just I, I guess to like 
deer hunting and that kind of thing when people are out deer hunting and then they just can't resist. Gotcha. I, I've I've been I've been a victim on that end. I know what that's oh boy. like. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Where somebody shoots one. And it usually if that happens I leave it lay there. And and I don't take it. And 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 I know it's kind of gross. Coyotes will clean it up. Everything's good that way. But I just want the rest of the hunters to know that that's not okay. Oh, so gotcha. don't do that. I okay. mean, that's, and I, I don't make usually too big a deal about it, but, and we do welcome some hunting, but I don't, in the deer hunting, I, I welcome more than probably anything because we get, we have so many deer out on our place anymore. But, but as far as pheasant hunting and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. man, that's, that the, we're trying to get the flocks back like they were, but, uh, it's, it seemed like there was a lot a couple of years ago when I, when I, yeah, when I was out looking at oh, that. Oh, man, it's, nothing like when I was a kid, though. Jeez. It was and like it, a yeah. playground, huh? Yeah, and we, yeah, it would, it was nothing to run into flocks of 80 or something, you know. Wow. Nothing, nothing. They were everywhere. But today, you know, if you run into oh, a flock of uh, 10 to 15, you feel like you really you hit really big. Hit you know? it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but no, nah, they used to be really plentiful. Mm. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming in. I really appreciate it because well, I mean absolutely. I learned a lot. And then when when things are kind of going further along with the processing plant, hopefully sure. we can have you back. Oh, that because be I'd like to hear about that and, oh, and yeah. really let people know about what's going on out here yeah. and the jobs and everything. Yeah. So maybe in the summer at some point. That'd and then great. if anyone listening wants, can they get? Do you have a website you want to let people know about, or how do they reach out if they want to purchase well, from you guys? If, yeah, it, the, if it's possible. Yeah, the Top End Alliance meet. Um, you can go, uh, you know, Facebook is, I mean, we have more fun on Facebook than we do our website, our website. It's like anything. It's just harder to manage and keep sure. up and Facebook's kind of fun and just quick. And, and a lot of, a lot of people respond on there and so forth. I've been kind of quiet because, um, uh, we, we kind of put our cattle on hold a little bit until we got our processing plant going, but we are going to have some beef, I think, available in June and July. Um, but and then I do have some available now. But but it's it's we're we're kind of quiet compared to what we normally are. Gotcha. We usually have a, a lot going through there every every month. But sure. Yeah. But if somebody does, they go to Facebook and look for Team Team Beef. Is that yeah? yeah well, if you yeah, if you look at yeah Top End Alliance Meat. Top End Alliance Meat. Yeah. Okay. Which spells team and 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 you can go in. Um, yeah, or, or into our, yeah, that, that deal right there is team beef, top end alliance meat. You got it. I got it. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Bill. You I bet. appreciate Thank it. You, Troy. Take care.